Good morning, guys. Good evening. You know it's Swingberry. This is Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We have quite a lot to go over. Quite, quite, quite a lot. Updates on the Elon versus Twitter kerfuffle. The death of a high potential MMO. Netflix losing popularity and possibly hope about GPU prices. But first, I want to talk about a change in policy in Google. It is in regards to third-party applications that that uh, record calls. Apparently, developers for the Play Store will not be able to access the accessibility API for call recording, and this is going to be starting May 11th, according to leaked reports. The new Play Store policy is effectively blocking third-party call recording apps from the Play Store starting May 11th, according to a Reddit post. Now, here's the thing. If you actually try to use a third-party call recording app, you are going to find out that they are awful. They are, for the most part, awful. The only chance you have is on certain phones, their default phone app which means you're getting the 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 function outside of the play store has been one of the only ways to get solid call recording now for the most part recording a phone call is falls into that area of being technically illegal but it varies from state to state in my state of wisconsin and this actually was a big issue recently during an election was is that phone calls cannot be recorded unless one of the people involved in the phone call are aware it is being recorded. Which means that technically, if I were to record calls and I'm the one doing it, Well, that's no problem. It might be a problem in another state, but it's no problem here in Wisconsin. And quite frankly, I have been hunting down personally for an app like this simply because the exchanges I have with scam callers is absolutely hilarious, and I'd love to turn that into content for YouTube. But the calls I get from scammers are sporadic and random, so it's not like I can be in a recording studio at all times with it, like a lot of other people do. And well, to have it just happen automatically would have been beautiful. Someone in the chat says, apparently Pixel phones come with call recording available, so that's the way to go just get a pixel phone you know i'd contemplate that if it weren't for the fact that the latest pixel phones were just weird 
like it is actually kind of bizarre in just the the odd quirkiness that the software on the Pixel phone has. And a lot has to do with the fact that they're currently using a custom silicon and also the fact that they're Google. I don't know what it is about Google. Despite the fact they have some of the best intellectual minds out there, they cannot not make stable software to save their lives. I mean, here's the real question of the day. Is Google Maps, which is pretty much the de facto standard for on-phone GPS across both iOS and Android, is that software still in beta? Because that software's been beta since, I swear, 1874! I think it might actually now finally be out of beta. I think it might have happened like a couple years ago. But you get my point. There is always this weird air of instability when it comes to Google software. And a lot of the times, all you can do is just look and go, oh, Google, you so Google. Even though you want better. So, rip third-party phone recording apps and quite frankly after having some time to think about it after the news broke i'm not gonna miss it because they were all terrible speaking of google quirks google messages has a bug that will leave the camera on in the background and absolutely massively sapping your battery I'm not going to lie. I didn't plan this transition. I <laughs> What did I tell you? Google just has these like weird quirks that you're just expected to live with. It's just, it's so bizarre. And here's the other question. How long until they fix this and it turns out that someone can use that to gather information? Now, fortunately... The update is that Google has begun rolling out a fix for the Messages app. But holy cow, how? How on earth did this get missed? So if you're getting an update for your Android phone, take it. It is making it so that your Messages app stops spying by accident. This is just all you can do is just just shake your head. Just 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 shake your head. Now, in actual good news in the phone world. You remember that legislation that was moving through the EU, the European Union in regards to mandating that Small electronic devices use USB-C, so we stop having the iPhone being the awkward child in the group using the wrong connector and using an outdated connector that needs to be replaced. Yeah, well, it's taken one more step forward. It is not in effect yet. 
but it is very close. It got over another major hurdle. Now, here's what I will tell you. If you think that this means 100% for certain that the next-gen iPhone will absolutely use USB-C, no question about it. Oh, ho, ho, ho. ye of little faith. I am telling you, here's what's going to happen. The iPhone Pro will use USB-C. Most likely the Thunderbolt standard, just like they have on the iPad Pro. But that baseline iPhone... Because there is a subsection within the law saying that you can use wireless charging and wireless data transfer under certain sections, I am willing to bet the next iPhone is going to be made slightly smaller. So it's technically within that area. And also, and they're just going to call it more innovative, more purple or more purple. Yeah, more purple, more portable than ever before. And it's going to be portless. Don't doubt me. I am telling you right now. It would not surprise me at all. If not this generation, the next generation after. Base iPhone, portless. Wireless only using MagSafe. Which will technically be legal under this this standard. And then the iPhone Pro will use USB-C. Would you really be surprised, though? Would you really? I wouldn't. Let's shift gears quite a bit here. Let's talk about the streaming services. Currently, right now, the streaming services is getting into a phase in their life where they're becoming as obnoxious as as the cable we seek to get away from. We're now getting into a territory where you can technically get all your content a la carte like you wished you could back in the cable era but what's on what seems to just fluctuate randomly which brings us to Netflix Netflix has a problem because let me tell you something whether it's Radio, whether it's podcasting, whether it's television, whether it's online streaming, there is one thing that matters more than anything else. Do you know what it is? It's content. Content is king and if you don't have the content you don't 
have basically anything. Viewers, listeners, they will travel to where the content is. So, let me ask you this. What content does Netflix have right now that is must-see? Squid Game? Well, one weekend later, you've seen that. Exactly. You're having a hard time thinking of anything. A couple of you may have mentioned a few reruns of some TV show you used to like. You might have said the Seven Deadly Sins anime, but let's be honest, you've already seen that and then halfway through the second season and wondered what the heck happened to that run. Netflix has the problem that they don't have content because all the content they used to have pulled their stuff out of Netflix and went elsewhere. So why is everyone surprised when Netflix reports for the first time ever they have lost more subscribers than they gained? I'm some schmuck in the Midwest behind some freaking monitors that another office deemed were unworthy of their office. And I can figure this out. What the heck is wrong with the rest of you? It blows my mind how many bad hot takes the news media in general has had as to what the failure of Netflix is right now. Listen to the golden rule of media. Content is king. And if you don't have the content, I'm not watching. It's the same reason I left World of Warcraft for Final Fantasy XIV. Final Fantasy XIV has content that's actually worth watching. Worth playing. What do you have in WoW? A story that's physically painful to look at and chore-gassed. A dungeon that all it is is one massive chore that no one likes. Cool. Thanks. The rule applies with just about anything in entertainment. And yes, news is entertainment. We don't want to admit it. But it is. So, what's Netflix's answer? Well, Netflix went ahead, and I don't know how many times I'm going to hit the switch scene button today. Netflix has decided their problem is clearly, unmistakably, without a doubt, the problem clearly is people sharing passwords.
I'll admit, that is a small problem. But, again, you're forgetting the golden rule. Content. The most recent the content they had was Squid Game, which they only released 10 episodes of, and another nonsense about a pregnant man. Who cares? If you want to draw in more customers, you need to provide content that's worth watching. Not content that makes you feel good. Not content that's supposed to send some kind of message to the rest of the world. Nobody wants to listen to anyone talk about how good they made themselves feel that day. By preaching about some other nonsense. People want to be entertained. Now that being said, you absolutely can rant about your life and make it entertaining. Lord knows I do that five days a week on twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. But you see my point. So far, all we've gotten out of Netflix is half-finished products, green-lighting basically anything that they think can fog a mirror. And Netflix is just far too focused on quantity over quality. Look at Hulu. Hulu went ahead. They actually went and got current content. They're my go-to place personally to go watch Archer, a comedy series that I still love to death, even though I still can't believe they're still going on with it and are still going way stronger than I expected them to. Then I get current episodes. Great. Fantastic. Hulu also went ahead and tried to make a run with it with the Animaniacs. It unfortunately fell kind of flat because it didn't have the exact same kind of energy you would expect from Animaniacs. But they still tried. Currently right now, Hulu's trying to go ahead and reboot Futurama again. I wish them the best of luck in all of that. And I really, really do hope they focus on quality and not the kind of same weird off-putting preachiness they kind of tried to put into Animaniacs which just ruined the content what's Netflix done they want to eliminate password sharing and maybe introduce an, a tier with ads. Hey, Netflix. No. 
one is going to watch your ads if there's no content. Why watch an ad if the thing after the ad is not worth watching? Someone in chat asked, why would I want to pay for ads? I'm not going to lie. If it actually, technically for watching Squid Game, you want to know how much I paid? Nothing! <laughs> I paid nothing to watch Squid, Squid Game because I just signed up for the free trial of Netflix, watched it over the weekend because it was only 10 episodes, and then canceled the account. <laughs> But assuming they didn't have a free trial, that I could just go ahead and do that because that, that was the only content worth watching. Let's be honest. You, you would go ahead and pay only five bucks for that month and just watch Squid Game with a bunch of ads there. Versus paying $10 for no ads. I'd be on board with the idea. I'd be more on board with the idea than I should be. But again... There's no content, so why? <laughs> uh, you want to know what else had no content? CNN Plus. This is hilarious. I don't even think we talked about it on the uh, on the podcast because it's such a whatever. CNN, which is short for clueless news nerds i assume uh went ahead and launched a streaming service called cnn plus in which they went ahead and got some other news talent to try and make a subscription service so that you could get more of their news content that constantly needed to go ahead and go back and correct itself and you could pay a monthly fee for that Eighteen days after the service was announced, the CNN has announced that they will kill it at the end of April. Gee, I wonder why. Could it be because nobody wanted to pay to watch nonsense that had to be corrected later? I don't even know how much this, the fee was. I'll be perfectly honest. If the fee was more than a dollar, it's not worth it in my book. Yeah, the article doesn't mention how, how much the, the fee was. If anyone remembers, that, that would have been good. Someone in chat says they should have tried and be a part, part of a bundle. They really should have. Considering the fact that CNN is part of, I want to say Warner, it could have just been like a channel in like some kind of Warner streaming service. I actually don't know who, who does own CNN. Are they independent? No, they got to be part of someone else, right?
but I mean, like, in the end, I could see more people paying for a subscription to listening to NPR than I could people paying to listen to CNN. And NPR is about the most boring news content I can think of. Uh, hello, and welcome back to Eagle Eyes on Tech. Today, we're going to talk about how Netflix has no idea how to news to save its life. Nobody wants to listen to that over and over and over again. Okay, yes, technically people do pay for, for an NPR and, and PBS because, because it is taxpayer supported. But you know what I mean. So rip CNN plus never forgetty rip in spaghetti. By the way, speaking of Netflix putting in an ad tier, uh, Microsoft wants to bring ads to its free to play Xbox games. So, you know, just in case you thought that uh, you didn't live in a dystopian future, you do, in fact, live in a dystopian future. CNN Plus costed $6 a month or $60 a year. But if you signed up before the service, before April 26th, by the way, service ends April 31st, uh, you could have got, got it down to $3 a month. Yeah, that's way too much. But yeah, back to the topic at hand. Microsoft wants to bring ads to its free-to-play Xbox games. The concept is that these sort of ads would appear in the game on, like, billboards and whatnot built into the actual video game environment, basically as product placement. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I really, really don't. I would be more okay with this if, and only if, and this is a big, big, big if, if there was no other monetization anywhere in the game. To be rid of all the microtransaction gotcha pawn nonsense we see in mobile games today, I would gladly accept product placement inside the game as an appropriate substitute. Guess what? There is no way that's going to happen. You and I both know that is not going to happen. It is going to be product placement inside the game in addition to your daily login for fake currency quota in addition to pay a hundred dollars for 10,000 gems in addition to your loot boxes in addition to your buy 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 now pop-ups after you finish an any level in addition to all the other predatory hot garbage that blights free-to-play games to this day you know what's going to be in there as well but you know what at least it's just Xbox thinking about it. It's not like there's another big player out there also contemplating this exact same thing. Fortunately, that's... Ah, dang it! Sony's doing it too. 
at least they're considering it. <sighs> well, I'm thoroughly depressed now. I mean, what more is there to say? Just more and more, everyone's just moving to the model where in fact, we're just gonna squeeze as much money possible out of anything that you can get your hands on. <sighs> I'm just saying, if I wanted to have the sensation of giant billboards telling me to buy flashing lights saying lucky 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 and product placements everywhere you know where i'd go i'd travel to vegas if i wanted the vegas experience i would just go to vegas but i don't because i don't really want the Vegas experience right now. But of course, it's just going to be any everywhere, regardless. We're going to take our first break here when we come back. A little bit of a caveat on the Twitter edit button as well as an update to Twitter versus Elon Musk. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. The Twitter edit button. Now that it's actually looking more and more likely that it could be real, that it could be coming soon. <laughs> There's a little bit of information in regards to how it would work. And actually, this sort of additional knowledge could explain how and why it has taken Twitter so unbelievably long to figure out how to make an edit button. Reports are saying that the edit feature for Twitter may keep track of the tweet history of the tweet and make it viewable. So that you just cannot go say something outrageous, then after getting called out about it, edit it later saying, um, puppies are cute. Everyone could then go back into the history and see that you did in fact first promote puppy punting and then tried to change it later and say puppies are cute. Someone in the chat tried to say puppies are tasty and then self-purged himself. Yeah, so you couldn't just do that. 
that right there. Even though, like, currently you can just delete the tweet, but... So... <sighs> I see the point of it. I, I, I can see, in fact, if they want to make sure and make and have this feature also properly 100% working before I'm going to edit button, I suppose I could see why the edit button has taken almost a year. That being said, I do find it very suspicious that they announced news of this edit button right as they offered Elon Musk a position on the board. I'm just saying... I'm just saying that is still insanely suspect. By the by, if you're wondering how close Elon is to buying Twitter, um, he has supposedly secured the $46.5 billion to fund the possible, well, not possible, to fund the hostile bid for for Twitter. And let's be perfectly honest, it is a hostile takeover. Elon is trying to buy up enough shares of Twitter without Twitter seeking to be bought out. That is, by definition, a hostile bid. That is a hostile takeover. But there are some more and more experts that I forgot to take notes on, and I apologize for that, that have talked about the poison pill metric that, uh, or measure that Twitter had put into place. And wow. It's, uh, I'll just put it this way it could absolutely 100% tank the price of Twitter if if Elon forced their hand to implement the poison pill metric and then also while they're at it open up a massive lawsuit against Twitter in addition for that this is how the board of directors of Twitter could very well be going against the wishes of the shareholders. Someone in chat asked, what is a poison pill measure? Um, basically, I'm trying to think how to explain it. Because I admit, I don't fully understand it either. The way it was explained to me by a YouTube lawyer is that it is a measure so that if anyone acquires at this point 15% or more of Twitter stock, that it frees up even more stock to be bought by anyone else but the person that has that 
Someone asked does the YouTube lawyer me. Oh, it, oh, 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 is the YouTube lawyer my e No, no, no. It is not legal eagle. Um No, I actually haven't checked to see if Legal Eagle actually had a video on it or not. Um let me actually see if I can find it. Um it, it's at the YouTube lawyer goes by the name of uh Hoeg Law. Uh they were the one that had a very in-depth view of it and um they and I'll I'll tell you what um their content I'll just admit it's dry. But it is very very technical the amount of detail they go in. Also holy cow, my entire YouTube feed is blown up with apparently a whole lot of blizzard news of which I don't know a whole lot about. Oh, apparently there's new news on a restraining order on Bobby Kotick, apparently. I'll have to look at, into that more during the break, I suppose. In the meantime, let's focus on the matter at hand. Um, yeah. The bid for Twitter. Here's what I will say. The way the Twitter board operates right now, I am super not a fan of. I'm just not. The amount of very strange suppression of news and then trying to go out later and just say, oh, that was done by an error. My bad. Weeks after the fact. It, that doesn't sit well with me, especially for a platform that tries to say is an open town forum for all to speak. Yeah, what they say and what they do go very contrary to the to the to each other on the other hand you have elon musk an actual living chaos gremlin who runs a car company that feels that a gauge cluster is obsolete that feels that having turn turn stocks and other controls that make every vehicle easy for any professional driver to just drive and introduce new features that are an actual safety risk and just say, it's fine, you just need to adapt. And then that same electric car company goes ahead and dissolves their PR department because it seemed like an unnecessary expense, but then wants to go buy Twitter and then talks about how free speech is cool and all. Yeah, I'm not too much of a fan of Elon buying it either. But pretty much the way I look at it, it's just one bag of dinguses versus one really giant dingus. And all I'm going to do is just sit back with a giant bowl of, bowl of popcorn with a little bit of cheese powder on it for that super nice artificial cheese flavor on your popcorn. You know, you want that high quality stuff that's also still garbage and just watch the sparks fly as everything involving Elon Musk versus Twitter unfolds. You know what else I love? The fact that uh, I rambled off so long in that one story 
that I covered the point the next story was going to cover. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Tesla, um, video has emerged of a self-driving Tesla crashing into a jet. Just, just, just a friendly reminder. The kind of person that ever that a ton of people, a ton of free speech advocates are are uh, very enthusiastically hoping buys Twitter. You're hoping the guy who has this car, when summoned via the smart the smart summon feature, drive into a private jet. Slow freaking clap. The car was driving autonomously and just was summoned by someone who just got off an airplane. And apparently the AI inside the car made its way onto the runway and drove slowly into a small plane. I believe there is no damage to either the Tesla or the plane other than probably some exchanged paint and maybe some scratches. But this is the people that you're that you're praising for wanting to buy Twitter. I I just want that to sink in for a minute before we think that Elon buying Twitter is the end-all be-all of, of the Twitter being saved. And yes, that absolutely would have been in, in the last burb segment if it weren't for the fact that I have something sillier and also the fact that it just fit in this segment right here. You know what else fits in this segment right here? The fact that Tesla apparently feels that uh, selling cars with charging cables is obsolete you know if it works for phones if just selling phones without charging cables is considered a norm why not sell a forty thousand dollar car without the charging cable yeah i have no words for this I have no words for the fact that the, and granted, this is just the, the, what's considered the portable charger. This is the one that goes 110 and hooks up to the Tesla to charge it. So this would be considered level one charging. Now, the reason we accept it with the phone is because, well, let's be honest. Someone asked, was this story from last week? Oh, maybe we did talk about this last week. I'm going to rant about it again because it still ticks me off. It deserves to be ranted about again. I'm sorry. It, it just does because there's a difference between the phone and a car. 
because you know what the phone the phone is cheap enough even if it's a thousand dollar phone like this you can still go ahead and get you know a five or a ten or a fifteen dollar cable I actually go ahead and with mine actually splurge for I think mine was like 30. I actually bought a bunch. I have a bunch of like really short ones just for at home. And then I have like one nice long one in my travel bag that also has a uh, wattage readout that I use both for charging and for diagnostic purposes. Someone in chat asked, how is this really different from any other auto automotive maker? It really, the thing is, is that it's hard to compare it to other automotive makers because no other automotive maker pitches to you that the benefit of the vehicle is that you can fill and and fill, and basically just never visit a gas station that you can go ahead and charge the car at home like that is a selling feature of the electric car you obviously can't do that with any other internal combustion engine. You can also go ahead and have a actual high-end charger, a level two or a level three charger hooked up at home. I actually don't know if you can get a level three charger at home, but you definitely can get a level two charger at home and actually have it so that your car is in fact fully charged at home. The thing is, is that with a, with any other automotive maker, you still do get some basics. Most of them, you still get a spare tire or at least a repair kit for the side road. You still get accessories with your car, but then you're upcharged for other ones. If I were to go out to a Ford dealership and go get a Mustang Mach-E, I would get the level one charger or I'd be laughed at and said, you, you dingus, they're back ordered for two years. Get out of here, nerd. It's going to be one of the two. For Tesla to just go ahead and say, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and not do this. Yeah, we're not doing that. Someone in chat, in fact, actually did point out that, yes, that, that actually was a story that was made this week. I think the confusion is the fact the article that I have here uh, is the fact that Tesla was hinting at this happening two weeks ago. Now it has officially happened. You now will not, if you go ahead and you spend $40,000 for your car, or more likely because... Most people don't have 40 grand they can just drop on a car, finance it over the course of six years, most likely. You have to spend another $200 to get your basic charger. And most likely you will have to at least have that charger because right off the bat, you're going to have to learn where all the electric car chargers are. 
I fortunately know where mine are. They're nowhere close to my house. Apartment. You know what I mean. Like, no joke. The closest one is actually about a 20-minute drive. That is the closest Tesla supercharger. There's another one that's from Electrify America that I could use that's slower and kind of jankier because it's Electrify America with a uh, with a Tesla, and that's just always weird. That would... Uh, that's about a 15-minute drive from my apartment. Where's the closest gas station? Four blocks. I could literally walk down to the gas station, fill up a gas canister, walk back, and fill it into my car. So yeah, I'm not going to lie. The the metric of comparing the Tesla to your phone just doesn't stand up. Because you're not going to be able to find a $5 cable at a gas station like you can with a phone. There are no extra alternatives. I don't have a drawer full of of USB-C and micro USB cables and like one or two lightning cables because I was on Apple for a while. No one does. Tesla's connector is proprietary. Keep that in mind too. Actually, I'd be even more SOL because that entire mobile connector kit, you know what that also comes with? The adapter to connect the Tesla to the standard connector that everyone else uses. Someone in chat says the portable charger is really an add-on no matter how you look at. The home ones are quite different and no. The portable one is the one you basically start with. Without the portable charger, you cannot charge the... the Tesla, and it will slowly lose charge without it. There will be parasitic draw on the Tesla battery no matter what, unless it is plugged in. And unless you want to hire an electrician to go ahead and plug and hook up a 240 dryer outlet to, to get the bigger one, or actually professionally install a wall charger, you need that portable charger. Or else you could very easily wake up one morning in a winter and find your Tesla now needs to be towed. It's to try and compare it to a internal combustion engine run driven a vehicle it's extremely difficult to do because the only comparison there really is is that yeah after a year the gasoline inside the car will go bad and that's about it that's the only comparison you got someone says it's very common that a tesla owner is going to do 
You'd hope so. But when you're also talking about the entry-level vehicles, like, let's say if I were to do it, I would have to try and convince the landlord to do it. And there's a decent chance I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to. That it would just be like, yeah, you got to use your portable one, get like a mile or two every day and prevent the parasitic draw and whatnot. And then just actually fully charge it over at the supercharger downtown and that's it. Like, it's easy to say Tesla owners are going to do it because they dropped 40K on the Tesla. So why wouldn't you go ahead and spend an extra 2K to have an electrician come out and and run a custom line over to a wall charger? But it's just that, an extra 2K. An extra 2K that you wouldn't finance into the cost of the car it really does come off whether whether you believe that you know that tesla owners in your area are going to do it or not as just one more kick in the shin from a car company that just continues to just really just do what they feel is the correct thing and whatever your opinion about it is is just wrong what are you going to do complain to the PR department that doesn't exist alright yeah meanwhile Speaking of comparing this whole situation to phones, a judge says that Apple must pay a man $1,000 for not including the charger with an iPhone. Dude, free phone, free phone. All it cost you was was time in court. Now, this whole thing came up when the question was brought up whether or not this set a legal precedent to force all companies to include a charger or not, apparently. I actually don't know the full details of the case. I'm just not going to lie. For Apple to just go out and say, we're not including a charging brick or a cable... Actually, no, they they don't include the charging brick. They do include the cable. They actually are one step. <laughs> they do do they go one step better than Tesla in this regard. Who now just doesn't include anything. Charging wise with the vehicle. And then Apple gets burned for it for for a thousand dollars. I mean, to Apple, it's nothing. But the state of the case matters way, way more. 
All right, the actual details of the um of the case. This happened in Brazil. I think we actually talked about this actual case. When it first hit. But here's what the judge had to say. According to article 35 of the Consumer Code or the CCD or the CDC, tie sale is an abusive and prohibited practice in Brazil. So it is not allowed to sell cell phone and charger separately. Therefore, Apple is being sentenced after selling an iPhone model and charger separately to a consumer in in the city of... There is no way I'm going to pronounce this correctly. Goania? According to the result issued by the judge, Vandeli Cares Pinheiro, the sixth civil court of the city name I mispronounced. Apple must recompensate the consumer 5,000 our dollar sign, which I assume is shorthand for the currency in Brazil for carrying out the tie sale of the company's device. Tie sale apparently refers to the practice of forcing a consumer to buy two products in order to make one of them fully work. I'm not going to lie. I did hope this happened somewhere inside the U.S. and would have actually had precedent here in the U.S. But alas, no such luck. But it is really, really amusing. According to chat, the... um. The currency is the real. But, and it's, it is just short form R dollar sign. But yeah, it's Brazil dollars. Okay. I was correct. At least in that regard. Oh, but you know, what can you do? What can you do? We're actually going to take a break here when we come back. I want to talk about Terra, what it means for the MMO industry, and take a deeper look at free-to-play models as well as how it translates over to NFTs. This is going to be the segment you want to listen to, without a doubt. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes Untucked. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. First things first. I want to talk about... Instanian. Instanian. Instinian. Whatever the heck this thing is actually called. Instinian is a service for smart homes. The concept of it is that you can go ahead and just hook up all your devices to this app and control it anywhere. Neat little concept, right? 
Yeah, the company just vanished. Just straight up. The servers have shut down. The company profile on LinkedIn and many other services and many other pages are just gone. The apps are dead. The servers are dead. No one is responding. So if you went ahead and used this service to set up your smart home, your entire smart home no longer functions. And then you all thought I was crazy for setting up my own home cloud. Yeah, I don't I don't have to worry about that. I I control everything. My my own clouds inside the home. You can't shut me down. Yeah, this is just one more instance of going into the world of the cloud is nowhere near as 100% foolproof as everyone wants you to think it is. And it should, in fact, be a lesson on what to trust. Now, this story is old that I'm about to talk about. This is in regards to a developer. The developer goes by the name of Crafton and Blue Hole. They are basically one and the same. Oh, apparently we have an update on the Instinian. Wait, is that the exact same article I had? So apparently, this actually just broke... Um, apparently just outside my research window. Yeah, this apparently went out like a couple hours after I went and did my story hunting. Estinion has come clean about its sudden smart home out shutdown. They blame the pandemic and a lack of a buyer for its sudden shutdown. They finally put out a statement, and it reads as follows. In 2019, the onset of the global pandemic brought unforeseen disruptions to the market, but the company continued to move forward. However, subsequent and enduring disruptions to the supply chain caused by the pandemic proved incredibly difficult, and the company engaged in a sales process in November 2021. The goal is to find a parent company, a parent for the company, and continue to invest in new products and the technology. The process resulted in several interested parties, and a sale was expected to be realized in, in the March timeframe. Unfortunately, that sale did not materialize. Consequently, the company was assigned to a financial services firm in March to optimize the assets of the company. So basically, they tried to find a buyer. The buyer at the last minute chickened out. And so in part to go ahead and pay their debts, they went ahead to a financial firm to go ahead and piece them out. 
and basically go into bankruptcy, which caused the services to promptly be shut down. So in addition to going through hard times, they just simply straight up couldn't even manage themselves enough to properly handle their own shutdown. Anyway, back to Crafton and Blue Hole. Crafton and Blue Hole, if you don't know, they are a Korean game developer. They have been in charge of games such as Player Unknown Battlegrounds and Elian, as well as a few other IPs such as Terra. Well, back in February, all right, remember how I said this was a while ago? Back in February, they announced they planned on making NFT avatars to sell in a future metaverse. And they invested tons upon tons upon tons of resources into what they believed was the future. Now, Blue Hole is a company I know pretty well on how they operate. Blue Hole makes, as well as Crafton, a very good game out of the gate with a ton of bugs and then never repair them. And then after that, try to make updates with even more bugs and just never address the problems they have. How do I know this? Because that's how Player Unknown Battlegrounds operates. That is also how their flagship MMO, Terra, also operates. So, they went ahead, took away resources from games that desperately needed developers to fix and create brand new content for their games. And just a few months later, Terra, unfortunately, has been announced to being shut down. The developers, being Blue Hole in this case, have said they are disassembling the remaining team, re assigning those employees to other projects, possibly even that NFT project that no one should really care about. And we'll just... That's it. The game has been in massive decline for quite a while. In fact, the game, honestly, it lasted about either a year or two in a subscription model then went free to play and then pretty much went and had one solid I'd, actually I take that back they had about three solid updates after going free to play new dungeons new bosses really fun raids a massive expansion that was also free to play that increased the level cap new stories and quite frankly this game I I played a lot of this game back when it was new. In fact, I abandoned World of Warcraft for Terra. And going from World of Warcraft that basically had no story and here's some endgame raids, I hope you have some friends, 
to this game was just night and day. The gameplay style was nice, fast-paced, action-packed. There was no target. It was basically like one giant action RPG with a very nice modern look to it. Even though the lip syncing, the lip syncing was absolutely terrible because all the animation was done for Korea and they didn't bother lip syncing anything new for the English voice actors. But beyond that, you still just dealt with it. And it was a very interesting game for the first couple of years. Since then, you started seeing a pattern of new content. You started seeing old dungeons being closed. And instead just making the end game just a matter of just queuing up for basically what amounts to the duty finder for like a handful of dungeons. And then every five months just cycling which the which end dungeons are the current end game and just not caring about the story they had that was actually pretty good better than wow's is today that's for sure and it really is a shame they went and cut developer costs like nobody's business and quite frankly, as far as the stability of the as far as the stability of the game, the players did more for the client than the developers did. For a lot of people that were outside of the US for the North American run Terra servers, you need an add-on called Terra Proxy in order to not have massive lag spikes and make which made the game unplayable but in the end the developers just didn't develop the effort was focused solely on new outfits that didn't fit the theme of the game more and more items for the cash shop and nothing else and probably the biggest nail in the coffin of Terra happened years ago when Terra just started straight up banning anyone involved in the development of the Terra proxy add-on. The add-on that was needed for a lot of fans of the game to play the game. And so GameForge, which is the last remaining publisher, and Mass Entertainment, of course, went out of business a couple of years ago. GameForge took over as the North American publisher. And well, there is two more months for anyone who wished to, to go see what what Terra could have had. The unfortunate thing is that what remains is a heavily stripped down version of what was once there. 
even the story that was originally there when the game launched is gone. They replaced the starting zone with co something completely different that uh, just doesn't really fit with the rest of the game at all. In fact, it's really jarring going from the starting zone, the new starting zone to the rest of the game. It just doesn't fit at all. There is one private server out there that is known of. And that probably will be exactly where most of the diehards will go. My own guild, one of which that was that was actually part of the Terra Proxy development. Well, most of them have already moved on to Final Fantasy fourteen. But a lot of us are st are going back to the game right now for one last little look around and all the memories that were had there. How everyone met up. The various events that I would I would argue the player base did way more in Terra than the publishers did. In fact, it, it was actually stunning when um the, the first NA um the first North American um I forgot the actual position name, the um Oh god, it's at the tip of my tongue. Player community director, I think, is the is the title the guy in charge of uh player community relations. The first guy that was in charge went by the name of Best Tonka NA. That guy was just fantastic. Did wonders to help make sure that the game thrived, the players were happy, and that there was a wonderful relationship between them. He eventually left to pursue a career in enterprise-level IT, and unfortunately, just his replacement just could not fill the shoes at all. And then after that, Blue Hole wanted Terra Proxy shut down. And then Blue Hole just never did anything to actually advance the game at all. It is a shame. A company goes ahead and tries to search out and try to venture in NFTs. And now they have not only no NFTs, but they also have no MMO that they could have made the NFTs off of in the first place. Blue Hole is just a horribly, horribly horribly directed company and they are one that anytime I see them with a very impressive looking game I'm going to be very 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 cautious about it because I've seen how they've 
run ships before, and it's just not very impressive. But, you know, fortunately, there is no other giant inside the gaming space that would even contemplate trying to go ahead and dip into the the sort of NFT and blockchain games and that, that sort of thing, right? Like, surely the lesson has been learned, and we would all go ahead and just be happy that this sort of thing would never happen to another IP. Oh, you... Mm. Square Enix's pre- president reiterates his desire to make play-to-earn blockchain games. You know what? Let's talk about how play-to-earn works. All right? In fact, we can even use an existing example of a play-to-earn game as an example for how you play to earn. All right, are you ready? So, let's take a game. We're going to we're going to take the game Axie Infinity. All right? This is a very popular NFT game. You first, in order to get into the game, need to buy a party of three axes. These axes are NFTs. They're all unique. And you need to buy them. Their price ranges anywhere between $10 to thousands of dollars. Like the highest one that this article here talks about is 10 thousand dollars someone in chat says popular not really no it's very popular for a blockchain game all right trust me and it's actually very popular especially outside of the u.s because of the play to earn concept the fact that you can play and earn crypto and possibly earn money which is why it's very popular in just like someone said in chat in impoverished countries but here's the thing the money has to come from somewhere all right you play and you earn more of the cryptocurrency that you that's used in the game but the only way for money to go in to give that cryptocurrency value is people joining the game, which means you need infinite growth. The moment you start shrinking, you start a chain reaction that can cause a massive economic collapse of the cryptocurrency simply because there's no incoming revenue at all. And by playing, you're earning more of the crypto. Which means more crypto is being made. And with no new money coming in to enhance the liquidity pool to to increase the value of that currency. Massive inflation happens. 
the price of the crypto falls to the floor you stop playing because of course it's an it's a, it's an only okay game you're only playing it to earn more money and this is actually the problem that the game axie infinity is facing right now they're getting upset because they can't figure out how to keep profiting off players that are now quitting With all of these NFT games, with all of these crypto blockchain games, the money has to come from somewhere. And guess what? It is most likely coming from all the players that are paying to earn. And of course, because the value of the crypto changes very sporadically, it is very difficult to keep track of if you are in fact staying running someone in chat says they may stay if it's fun but that's not the draw this is the problem with play to earn because you're no longer playing to have fun their focus isn't on making the game fun the game itself axie infinity if you want to play Axie Infinity, there's one very easy way to play it. Go on Steam and buy Slay the Spire. It's the same game, except it's except Axie Infinity is PvP. That's it. Otherwise, it is the exact same game. You're building a deck, you're drawing cards as you go, as you go and advance to a tournament. It's the exact same game. Yeah. And here's the part that's that slays me. It's one thing to say like they may stay if it's fun. With this business model, you cannot have growth slow. You cannot. You absolutely cannot have your growth slow. You must keep growing. Because that is your only source of income. But at some point, you're going to peak. At some point, you're going to draw in every single sucker that you've told you can come and play to earn. And once you've done that, you begin the economic collapse and then everyone who was only there to play to earn leaves because they can't earn as much, which means you lose more players. And keep in mind while this is all going, the developers still have payroll to pay. They still have rent to pay. They still have servers to maintain to maintain all this nonsense but it's all in the blockchain not every single communication between the game server and the game itself the game server itself cannot be stored in the blockchain the game server is way too big you can't even get a picture on the blockchain it's so big 
But no, please go ahead. Tell me more, Square Enix, about how building games that are blatantly a giant Ponzi scheme is a great idea. Gamers don't want NFTs. NFTs, by their very nature, unless you find new ways to monetize, cannot sustain themselves. And the moment you invest, the moment you introduce new ways to monetize, it just creates one giant circle of what was the point of all this. Matsuda basically just looks at blockchain games and just sees it as the next evolution of these terrible microtransaction to death mobile games that quite frankly, the majority of gamers now are getting sick and tired of seeing. The last thing we want to do is then also see this thing put more strain on the blockchain which I want to remind you by the very definition of the blockchain runs intentionally inefficiently and consumes way way more power than it has to simply because the blockchain exists I just, I, I really do wish the entire concepts of NFT games, this entire concept of play to earn, just being one giant. And it's really what it is. It really is a Ponzi scheme. Just get your friends in so I can earn more, more of this fake money. It'll, it'll, it'll help, I swear. It's a promise of riches, but in the end, the only suckers, the only people who are paying for it is everyone else who is buying into the game. I do wonder how long, considering the fact there's plenty of laws against actual Ponzi schemes, how long until a, a governmental body steps in, looks at it and goes, okay, hold on here a second. What do you think you're doing? The biggest hope I have in the case of Square Enix is the fact that I know there's a lot of high up people inside of Square, including the lead director of the most profitable game that Square Enix has right now, telling him, no, this is a bad idea. We're going to take our last break here. When we come back, some hopefully good news about the chip shortage, and then, of course, the last burb, a cute little chopstick hack. 
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. We talked earlier about how... Um, I actually don't know if I talked about it during the break or if, it actually, or if the mic was actually hot when I spoke about it. But apparently there was a uh, new development in regards to uh, Blizzard and their current predicament. And it's not a very major one. In fact, it's one that's actually fairly predictable. A federal judge has dismissed a lawsuit... Basically because, well, there was not enough evidence to sustain the claims. This is not uncommon just because the claim, in fact, was in regards to sexual harassment. Sexual harassment is one that is extremely difficult to prove in a court of law. And I'll be perfectly blunt. When all is said and done in all this. The lawsuit means very little. In the case of Activision Blizzard. The only person who loses out here is the victim. By this being, by, by the, well, I, I shouldn't say that. The biggest loser in this being thrown out is the victim. Because they're not going to see a cash settlement. In the case of Blizzard, they don't win. They don't. Because let's be perfectly honest. Whatever the settlement would have been for the plaintiff... Or not the plaintiff. No, no, yeah, the, the, the plaintiff. Yeah, the plaintiff. The amount that would have been given to the plaintiff is nothing to Blizzard. It's not. It's a rounding error in their books. What does matter way more? The headline saying Activision Blizzard sued for sexual harassment. That has been talked about way, way, way more. And that will haunt their reputation far longer than this case would have. So, and keep in mind, this is just one of the sexual harassment lawsuits. There's a lot more. So, yeah, this isn't all that major it really really isn't so that is the update oh i didn't even show i didn't even show the story here it is for people on the video oh speaking of video anchor has now made it so that all podcasts can now be video podcasts we are not turning this podcast into a video podcast you want to know why? You can't insert mid-rollers into a video podcast. I don't get you, Anchor. 
you do you want to make money and ad revenue to support yourselves or not i i i can't even with anchors some days they're just like their model makes no sense they launch a platform they they make a new mode on their platform where you can't make ads so that the podcastee or the podcaster like myself cannot monetize the podcast as efficiently as they should And then because I can't monetize it, they can't take a cut of my monetization to pay their own bills. What is the model? I don't get you, Anchor. I just, I just don't. It is baffling. GPU prices are continuing their downward trend. Oh boy. This is looking pretty good. It is now actually getting to the point where like GPUs are starting. Keep in mind, starting is the key word here to become affordable by the common man. RTX 6000 GPUs are now selling for only 12% above their MSRP, while the average Nvidia RTX 30 series GPU is only selling for 19% above their MSRP. Now, this data was collected from, unfortunately, Germany. So, this really only helps the German market, but it is a sign. It's a sign that there's hope. Just give me hope to cling on to. That's all I want. hope that this whole thing is drawing to a close to an end and that soon we'll be free but you want to know what's really wacky here's a headline for you for you from bloomberg chip starved firms are scavenging silicon from washing machines. That is how desperate we're getting. We are taking apart washing machines for more chips. You can't make this up. I, I am just, I just can't. I just can't even. How do you look at this and say like, yeah, this is fine. And apparently in other corner, corner cutting moves, the largest chipset manufacturers used an audio decoder that had massive vulnerabilities in it MediaTek and Qualcomm both in order to try and cut costs were using ALAC ALAC audio coders in their widely distributed mobile handsets and because of the vulnerability that is oh excuse me man 
Blah. Sorry about that. Um, because they're using this format, this, this style of encoder, it now leaves a hardware vulnerability on tons of mobile devices that use this kind of chipset. Yeah, it's it's not looking good. And it's all because they were just trying to find something that worked. That's all we wanted. Some silicon that worked. But it's okay, because new founders are being made. We can make more chips. It's okay. It's okay. This, this, this is going to be fine. This is fine. This is totally, totally fine. Totally. Totally. Totally fine. Except for the part where only 60% of the chip making tools that were ordered could even be met this year. We're, we're getting closer. But basically, if I haven't fully depressed you yet, the chip shortage is getting better. But, and it's a big but, but we are not out of the woods yet. And it does feel like I say that over and over and over again. Let's talk about Dell for a moment. The gold standard in mediocrity. Dell is apparently working on a proprietary DDR5 module. Yeah. A proprietary RAM module. Now, honestly, honestly, real talk, this isn't as bad as I originally assumed it was going to be. Because while I have given a lot of laptop manufacturers flack for not using SODIMs, apparently the Z height, this means the actual thickness that is consumed by having the SODIM module is way more of a problem than I actually ever thought it was. And this is a lot of the reason why a lot of manufacturers are just switching to soldered on RAM, which by the way is awful. RAM is easily one of the first things that can die on a laptop and has dead RAM is one of the hardest things to diagnose because bad RAM Legit can cause anything. You think of a symptom that a working laptop could have, dead RAM can cause it. Like, no joke. So, Dell is making a proprietary DDR5 module for its upcoming precision laptops. The idea with this concept is that the connectors on the S on the new connect on the new module will be much 
much higher bandwidth than anything else that is currently being made on the market. So this means we will, in fact, get the best of both worlds, really. This new style of module that will be swappable in a form factor that would normally require soldered on memory. Bandwidth that actually supports DDR5 speeds. And quite frankly, yeah, unless someone else comes out with a better standard than SODIM, Dell's just going to go ahead and use their own. But here's my question. Will they continue to support this new standard that they're making? The new standard, by the way, is being called the CAM, the Compressed Attached Memory Module. And it's going to show first in the Dell Precision laptop. For those who don't know Dell's lineups, it basically goes as follows. They have, in the consumer side of things, the Inspiron, which is hot garbage, the XPS, which is expensive, which is expensive, pretty decent machines, the Alienwares, which are their gaming laptops that people have mixed feelings about, and on the business sides, they have the Vostros, which are hot garbage, the Latitudes, which are rock solid, and the Precisions, the mobile workstations, heavily modular machines. So this is going to be on their highest-end laptop, their mobile workstation classes. And, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I came out blasting this platform when it was first announced. But considering the fact that SODIM cannot get the speeds of DDR5, and the fact that everyone else is starting to just instead of just coming up with a standard like this, just instead say, you know what? Just, um, just solder the memory on. I, I gotta give Dell credit. As much as I hate the fact that it's a unique proprietary connector only to Dell's own machines, considering the alternative is just soldered on memory, this is an acceptable solution until a better standard than SODIMS comes out. So, yeah, when the early bird briefing came out and I talked about this, I blasted this decision. I hated this. But I've I've come around. I'll, I'll, I'll accept this. As long as it's supported. I mean, remember the Alienware Area 51M? The fully modular desktop laptop that Dell had. Um, yeah, how was that laptop again? Oh, yeah. I don't think they make it anymore. Yeah, pretty sure that laptop is fully discontinued now. Yep, it is fully discontinued now. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Dell. So this better have better support 
than the Area 51M. I'm just saying. <sighs> Meanwhile, though... Someone in chat says, I have a Dell laptop. First thing you upgraded was the RAM and the SSD. I buy, I used to buy pallets of Dell laptops. You know what the first thing I do? Well, actually, the first thing I do is see how many of the, of the laptops actually worked. And then the ones that had things like shattered screens, dented cases, and whatnot. Uh, I would cannibalize every single removable part from them and try to get as many working machines out of the rest of them. Like, I would go for Dell Lot specifically because the latitude line was so modular. Oh, bad motherboard on this one. All right, well, let's take out the processor. Let's take out the GPU. Let's take out the, the RAM. Let's take out the SSD. That keyboard lo- is in great shape. Let's pop that out. Like, I, I would cannibalize the ever heck out of, a la- out of a latitude with a broken motherboard. It would just basically be like, the bare frame with the dead mobo in it by the time I was done. Like I had that down to a science. But anyway, to the Intel precision laptops with ARC (laughs) unpronounceable pro GPUs. How do you pronounce this? Axum? It's like they like Adam, but then frickin' Organization 13 from Kingdom Hearts and just threw an X in for no adequately explored reason. What the heck is this? But in any case, these uh, these new Intel Pro Arc la- Arc laptops are supposed to be the equivalent of the quadros that you see from NVIDIA. Which, neat, cool, can't wait. Now get the, now get the mainstream GPUs out. What, what's taking you so long, Intel? You've been promising us these GPUs for so long they're not even available on the platform you said they were Ah! why why do you do this Ah! I'm fine by the way I'm fine totally totally fine but it's not like Intel has any other big problems right right Apparently, uh, Intel Alder Lake CPUs, uh, bend under certain circumstances. And you want to know what, uh, Intel has said about the, uh, about, um, about these bending CPUs? You shouldn't mod the sockets. Nobody's behind the sockets. <laughs> yeah, Intel's just basically like denying the existence 
of these CPUs having this bending problem. Oh boy. What a great. And you want to know how you know that it's actually a problem worth mentioning? Or at least just a problem that someone will acknowledge? A random Chinese company has made a correction frame for bending Alder Lake processors. No problems here, everyone! Everyone, look away! Oh, boy! Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. Great. Great. Great stuff. Right there. Just... There's no problem, but someone made a frame for it because it's such a not a problem. You know what is a problem? The existence, though, of discrete GPUs. But... AMD is going to give us what we've all wanted for a long time. An AMD APU that could have an RX 6500 XT as the integrated GPU. That's right. You could, with this new AMD APU, build a system as powerful as the Xbox Series S with no discrete GPU. Honestly, I think that's great. I mean, it's not great if you want a big showy computer, obviously. You'll just go ahead and grab two GPUs, water cool them, even though you're only going to use one just to be more show-offy. I mean, that, that's just what you do. But if you're just like a small, if you're, ju- if you're on a tight budget, this is big. This is potentially really big. Just one $300 CPU and that's it. No GPU. Plop it on a mother, plop it on a $100 motherboard, throw it in a case. Potentially looking at $500 gaming PC. Brand new. That's not bad at all. Especially for using no used parts. There's a lot of potential. You know, it also had a lot of potential, but doesn't anymore. Apple pulling the plug on macOS server. It's just gone. So for those of you who don't know, yes, Apple actually did make server software. In fact, some of you probably don't even know this. Apple made server hardware. And I don't mean like, oh yeah, you could totally get a Mac Pro and just install Mac OS server on it. Oh no, 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 no. They had a rack mount server and it was actually ahead of its time when it first came out. A 1U, dense, quiet, efficient, four bay, hot swappable 
one use server. Like that is impressive. It still is to this day. In fact, that's actually kind of considered the standard. I mean, granted, the XServe did have validation problems because Apple just made it and then validated nothing. In the enterprise world, you expect heavy amounts of QA and validation on all the servers. Apple did none of that, so there's a lot of returns in there. Way more than should be for an enterprise-grade product. But then, of course, eventually macOS server just got shrunken down right in about the macOS 10.7 era. It got shrunk down into a $20 app that you just download on the Mac store. So you just on your Mac server, which was probably a Mac mini at that point, just install the macOS, macOS, install the server and just bam, server. Now even that's gone. And I'm not going to lie, it's kind of a shame. Because you could have. With Apple Silicon. You could have made a very powerful and very dense. Server. I don't think a lot of people realize this, but one of the things that is very important in an enterprise environment is compute density. There's a reason why you don't see giant towers in a server room. You see very thin, usually one U or two U, U being the unit of measurement used in a rack, the servers that would go in. In fact, what's even more common in really dense data centers, you would have what are called blade chassis of some form where they take where the where you'd have a case that would take up somewhere between 2 and 5 u some actually actually I think I think most big boy blade centers take up 8 or 9 u now that I think about it and then just in those you load up like 24 servers in that 9 u space a really common form factor actually is in a 2U space putting in four blades. And each one of those blades having two processors. Considering how small and compact you can make a, com- a computer with Apple Silicon in it, you could have had like a 2 or 3U blade chassis and just just load the sucker up with a ton of very dense server blades. But nah. Apple just decided we're not going to get into that market again. Even though we did just make a Mac Pro that is rack mountable, but is actually a really bad rack mount computer. And thus, my friends, we shift gears radically to bring you the last burb. The last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, did you know there was a man that made a lickable TV? Well, he is going to change the world yet again. He is going to make chopsticks that makes your food taste saltier than it actually is. 
this. This right here. This is exactly what we need in today's day and age. The ability to go ahead and trick ourselves into thinking that there is actually more salt in there than there actually is. You know what the biggest problem is with this? I suck with chopsticks. When is this going to come out in, a fo- in the form of a spork? Now, now all seriousness, though, this is an amazing actual innovation, as chat is pointing out, for those who really do need to lower their salt intake, specifically because of high blood pressure or something to, to that affair, but really do want to eat stuff that is saltier. My problem with this, though, is the fact it is doing this by basically shocking you. How long until I just have a shock collar on that just electrocutes me in a weird way? So I I just go like, oh, man, that is a delicious chocolate cake as I'm eating like Brussels sprouts or something that affair. That's the real end game of this, isn't it? It's just, it's just to implement a form of shock therapy until we actually eat as we're supposed to. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Check. Thank you so much for listening. And I encourage you to check out the daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, which you can find at anchor.fm slash early B-I-R-B briefing. A quick four-minute podcast daily that continue that can that contains episodes or contains uh, stories just like you heard here and check out my Twitch page twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon take care and I hope you have a great day about to actually come up with jokes in regards to electric shock collars and and training but then chat went and made the jokes for me about how we need an internet connected shock collar no no i don't need to be banned on twitch because i gave chat the button to a shock collar i'm wearing no 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 bad chat bad no 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 i'm pretty sure toys like that already exist though